in the corner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs episode 20. That's right, 20. It's taken us, we're still looking at Richard because he's the most important person. I don't know what's going on. We've had all kinds of technical problems tonight. It's been a bit of a pain in the ass. Google Hangouts don't seem to be working. Richard's now broken the video. Uh, it's just looking at him. Clearly, he thinks he's the most important person in the world. Is that right, Richard? Are you the most important person? I haven't deliberately said that. So I guess Google thinks I'm the most important person. Well, you know, you can't really argue with that either. I mean, I don't even have my show notes up. It's all a confusing mess due to all the fact that we're delayed. And I think we've finally got this working, though. But I blame Google for all of this. This is what you do when you give power to someone else. They just get It goes to their head, Richard, doesn't it? I know. Well, we haven't seen how this affects me yet. We're only a couple of minutes in, so we'll see. <laughs> just going to be... I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm the best person to lead the Labour Party. I'm going to take over, even though I'm a Liberal <laughs> Democrat. That's the only choice. Mate, at this point... I wouldn't be a bad choice for Labour leader, would I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how, how often do you see, yeah, how often do you see by-elections being won by the incumbent party? I mean, that's pretty, that's never pretty, well. pretty depressing. Say, apparently it was never from what I read in the press. <laughs> so it's the first ever time. It's not, it's not good. So, so let me get this right. The camera will cut to Joel and to Richard, but not to me. I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling a little bit hurt here. This is what happens. I'm very upset. I'm, I'm, this is, this, I don't know how to get over this. Uh, I guess we could talk about some video games. I'm trying to remember what we've actually got to talk about. This is all a bit rushed now at the end here. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to introduce people because I haven't even done that yet. Uh, I am your host. Yeah, why not? I am your host, Ben. Uh, I am the editor-in-chief of uh, BXB. And you know what? It's an auspicious recording, this one, because it's our one-year anniversary. And joining me for our one-year anniversary show, we have Richard Worrell, oh. our views editor. Uh, still here. Still here and in charge. And uh, we have Joel with us, top top contributor, as I think I'm now calling him uh, as his official title uh, until I think of something better. That, that is my official title. Uh, <laughs> Number one. Well, and Joel has a special honour, actually, today. I don't know if you saw this, Richard, but yeah. he posted our 200th review on the site just today and there is a special prize for this and this is exactly is there, what i want to know what i've won what have i won is there what's the special richard well you, as you said that you can you can supply the prize what's the prize oh well, i was thinking because you were celebrating it you would provide something oh no i never said anything <laughs> about a prize and oh, it's i assume that's why you were doing stock take at work today so you could find a prize <laughs> oh that because that's how that that's how that works i get to take home all the cool stuff yeah it's very much a case of there is no cake <laughs> yeah, the cake is a lie uh you he gets the prize of it being a really good game to review for the 200th i suppose that's that's quite a prize in itself which we'll talk about later on uh but no i just want to touch on that a little bit i did a post about this in the week um how we've been going for a year um 200 reviews crap ton of videos, 20 podcasts, a spin-off wrestling podcast, lots of stuff. Considering we've only done it, been doing this a year, I think it's gone really, really well, Richard. What do you think, as you've been with me since the beginning? I have been with you since the beginning, yeah. Um, I think we've been consistent. We've delivered a lot more content than um, BXB has ever done before. And considering we're quite a small team, that's an achievement. I, I mean, when we were at Brit Xbox, we had double figures of staff. Um, so when it, when it's just a, a handful of us hardcore left, 
And um, yeah, I think we've had a really good year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brit Xbox ballooned up into the like thirties, didn't it? At one point, if I remember rightly, rightly members of staff and huge amounts of staff at one point. Um, but you know, yeah, there, there was a different remit back then, I guess. We an attempt to cover all the news and do all that. Um, I think streamlining the site and focusing on editorial content on on creative content, you know, reviews and stuff. Where what's the point? What's the point in trying to do news when you've got four hundred outlets, you know, all doing the same press releases, all doing, all doing the same pointless reposts, and just 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 sort of spouting what they're all spouting. You know, I don't, I don't think that's really worth it. You can't really add anything to that. Um, but when there is something that I see, think you know, that's where our social media channels play in. You know, that's where Facebook and Twitter become become viable and stuff. But the site. Keeping it just for, you know, personal content that comes from a perspective of an individual. I think, I think that's that's the strength of it. That's what sets us apart, and that's what will uh, will get us noticed. You know, in the long run. So, I certainly, you know, it's been it's been great. We've been able to in the last year. We've basically started again after. Well, I don't know if Joel's ever heard the story of what happened to, to, <laughs> to happened to us a year ago. No, so no, no. it was uh, pretty it's catastrophic. Weird um so we were going to have a nice gentle transition weren't we richard we were yeah. we we're going to rebrand from brit xbox it was going to be a a slow move away we we're going to close the form it was all going to be nice and stuff and then uh, and then the the servers got nuked from orbit and the backups and all the site was went with it so we lost everything everything 13 years of content gone in uh overnight which was kind of devastating at the time but i think we turned that around into like uh, a fresh beginning didn't we like a phoenix from the ashes, Richard. Yeah, luckily I've got uh, word documents of all my thirteen years of content. So <laughs> I mo ah. most most creators do not. I don't yeah. think most most of the guys don't have that. So no. it was pretty pretty devastating for people like Mark, who used to, you know, and things like I used to run the site, and, and myself. I mean, I lost lots of things like, um, you know, interviews and stuff I'd done at EGXs and all kinds of previews from Leipzig and stuff. It was a shame to see all that disappear. But hey, you know. We're, we've done a, new, a whole year now going forward, and it's only going to get better. There's only going to be more stuff. So the goal now, I think, the goal, I want to I want to see – okay, I, I don't know if I want to – I was going to say something crazy then. I don't know if I want to say that. I was going to say <laughs> what I want. I want to say – I want to say – no, I want to see 500 reviews by this time next year. But is that even possible? <laughs> I don't know if that's even possible. That would be 300 game reviews in a year. I don't, I don't think I could actually up my input enough to match that. So if we can just do the same again, that would be great. That would be great. I think that's a, an attainable goal. Let's get up to 400 in two years. Um, but, yeah, lots more videos, lots more uh, podcasts coming. Um, and obviously, the, the shout-out to all the guys. who have, We've had some people come and go. Who, it didn't work out, maybe with some individuals. People, personal life was... Um, gets in the way you know we're all doing this just for the love of it None of, nobody's getting paid um so you know understandable that some some creators have come and gone some have come back you know and and some like richard have been from the beginning and adam joined pretty early and he's been with us most of the most of that time hasn't he uh and joel's obviously going great guns and he's our, our latest acquisition here on the podcast mm -hmm. and everything so you know the team will evolve and change but um i think the, the consistency will be lots of lots of content just coming at you loads of it i'm hoping to grow the podcast family as well so we've got two I, i'd like i'd like more going forward so yeah that's 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 a year of bxb it's pretty cool man i'm happy hmm. you guys happy yeah you guys yeah. happy it's like, hey. it's been a, it's been like some sort of little party poppers or something so you can you know 
Well, this is the the, the lo-fi high tech. Yeah. The lo-fi high tech way we do this podcast involves like no music or anything. I was like, we could have at least had happy birthday running. Mm. But you know, I, I you know, there's just no, I get my phone and be like, play it into the microphone. I don't think anybody would enjoy that though. So <laughs> that'd be that'd be really really bad. Um, but yeah, that, that, so this has been an even more shambolic start to a podcast than usual. So I do apologize to everybody. I think we're, we're slowly getting a hang of it here. I am anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, before we get into the games, uh, I just want to, Richard, you you've been watching Twenty Four, New Twenty Four. I only I only mentioned that because, sorry, what was that? There's no one else watching Twenty Four. Well, that's why I mentioned it because I've actually seen the first episode of this new season of Twenty Four. Um, I've only watched before that I think season one and season three or four. I want to say Twenty Four. Right. Um, I've, I enjoyed it, but they're the only ones I saw all the way through. I remember seeing season one when it was like brand new and everybody was losing their mind about this new format of, of television. Um, and then I, I went back a couple of years ago and watched what was our, I went online and went out, what's the best season of 24? And that's the one I then watched, um, which was either season three or four. You might remember the plot better than me, but I can't remember exactly what happened. But I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, I did think this new one is wonderfully ludicrous. Like our first episode is utter bonkers, like really nuts TV. Did you? 20, I mean, twenty four is bonkers though. I absolutely mean, bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm desensitized to it because I've watched all of them. Um, the the bit where the bit where the presidential nominee's wife tases the guy in charge of CTU because she doesn't know if she can trust him and then locks him up in a in a cupboard. I'm like going, what the yeah. fuck, man? What is this? This is insane, mate. That this is, is insane. That is standard protocol in yep. CPU. That's what they all do. Trust no one. If in doubt, shoot the guy. That basically, that is tame for CTU. Well, but you've got that like silliness, like butting up against terrorists, just murdering families. Yeah. Just murdering people, shooting them in the head, cold blood, murdering like just really harsh. And yeah, that was good. It was good fun. I thought yeah. it was pretty cool. I like the new guy. Seemed alright. I miss Kiefer Sutherland though. I don't. If you've seen the most recent series of Twenty Four, um, yeah, you can you can kind of feel that it, the show was on its last legs at that point, and I'm surprised they brought it back after that because the last series was pretty bad. Um, but with an entirely new cast, it does feel fresh again. And even though there there isn't really very much different to the format, I mean, you you think back to when it first came around, and it was a completely fresh idea. Not so much now. I mean, it's been copied in all sorts of places but um it does feel fresh and the new guy i, I like the um the, the sort of setup around his character he's not just a typical um american gung-ho fella like jack bauer was there's a bit more to him i was a little bit upset to see oh he's a black guy so he has ties to organized crime well of course he does he's a black guy I don't know. You, you're allowed to have ties to organised crime, even if you are black. I mean, we don't have to be that right. Yeah, but no, it felt more like it felt more like he had to have ties to organised crime because he's a black guy. I mean, his brother—he basically comes from a criminal family, doesn't he? That he's like turned his back on to become an army ranger, and then he's had to go back to them for help when the shit hits the fan in this episode. And you're like, oh, all right, okay. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit like. Have you hmm. just seen the first episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it kind of makes sense. The second episode has uh, been broadcast this week and he gets pulled into situations where he's doing things that he may not want to do. They're not exactly in line with his moral compass, but 
he's got that background where he knows that that's what he's got to do. It it just, so it's a justification for him to be a, so a sociopath, basically, is what you're saying, because he's he's an ex-gangbanger. No, I'm not saying it's just it's a justification. It just it, it makes it more plausible that he would be capable of operating within the scenarios that he's pulled into. I mean, it's not like he's just this out and out military hero who just who never does anything wrong. He knows that you've got to get your hands dirty once in a while. And his unlike unlike that. Unlike Jack Bauer, who was basically like one minute a loving family man and the next minute a dude who <laughs> torture somebody to death to get information from them. Um, you know, he's the well, guy who basically he, he invented rendition, basically, <laughs> Jack Bauer. It's like that was his playbook, you know. Yeah. What we're going to do is going to take them out of the country and just keep beating them until they tell you what you want to hear and then it'll be great. Look, I'm um, not going to tell you 24 is realistic, but yeah, Jack Bauer kind of um, gets his comeuppance on that front later in the show. Um, he does become estranged from absolutely everybody. So, you know, it's not like he gets away with it. It takes take seven years or something, though, didn't it? I mean, like... It does take a while. while. He's got a patient Yeah. I'm just going to skip in a bit just to get some context. So have they gone for a complete reboot? Is this a progression from what 24 was before? Have they have they done a kind of reset or they're just branching off on a, on a new sort of storyline of new characters? Everyone in it is new. There are no recurring characters, um, at least so far, two episodes in. The closest I've seen is a niece of Edgar Stiles, who was in one of the uh, original series. I can't remember how early he was in it. Uh, maybe the first five seasons. Um, so, so, so Miranda Otto's character wasn't in it before then? None of them were in it. That's interesting because they, they allude to her being in charge of CTU prior. And I just assumed maybe she had been in the later seasons or something like that. So that's interesting that um, she's new as well. But they've given her kind of a backstory there. I did think it was funny, though. The, 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 what's the, the, chick, the chick who was the, the one female rider of the Rohirrim is now tasering a dude in CTU. Yeah. There's a geeky reference for you. Um, so that, you know, that, that was quite funny. That was all that she, she may have been in the most recent season, but as I say, it was quite bad. So... I've forgotten all about it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, here's another TV recommendation for you that I, I didn't bring up last week, but it is probably it is the best piece of science fiction on television right now, bar none. And I do mean that. Um, have either of you guys seen The Expanse? Yes. I tried to watch it as well. I was really looking for a good sci-fi series TV wise to watch. So uh, the expanse came up and I watched the first couple of episodes. I just couldn't get into it. Interesting. It does start quite slowly. I got halfway through the first episode. I think. Ooh, what made you bounce off so hard? I'm curious. What was, what was so off putting to you? Um, there's nothing that made me bounce off. There's just nothing that drew me in. It just felt um, it wasn't getting to the point. It wasn't telling me why I, I should be watching this. Interesting. I mean, well, I put it this way: they're they're based off it's based off a book series, which would explain sort of explains why it's quite slow to start. Um, they do a lot of world building in those first couple of episodes. They do yeah. this thing where they like basically invent an entirely different language for the the belters, the people that live um, in the asteroid belt between Mars and Earth, um, or in various sort of off world colonies, and that can be a little bit hard to pass when you first start watching it you have to kind of just let their language wash over you because they don't subtitle it and they kind of it's kind of like bastardized english uh at times so it's, it, it can be a bit difficult because if you're really trying to understand like you know each word 
uh, it's not going to work for you. Uh, but if you just sort of like let the, the meaning come from the situations and just let it organically happen, it's, it's you yeah, know, yeah. they do they do back away from that a bit. Um, it's but, kind of like moving to Devon in a way. Yeah, that's exactly it. Don't you? Yeah, but with a bit more of a like a sort of a Brazilian Eastern European twang rather. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah that's see, I can pass. I can. Well, no, no, Brazilian European not in Devon. No, they don't let those people in there. No, 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 they wouldn't. No, no, no village. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's got to the point in the TV show now where it's just about coming to the end of where the first book is, halfway through set the second season. And um, I absolutely love the novel, the books as well. And that, that obviously helped me because I'd read the books, so I kind of knew where it was going. Um, you know, and therefore I knew, oh my god, this is going to be so cool to see. It's going to be, and they absolutely nail the characters and the situations really, really well. Um, I will say, guys, if you, I mean, it's on Netflix, you know, so there's little money investment required so if you can if you've got a moment i would definitely suggest um trying to persevere a little bit with it um but you know i'm not going to force anybody who doesn't like something to watch it but it it's it's properly i think the best sort of original um though not obviously original original but best sort of sci-fi um production that sci-fi themselves have done since Battlestar Galactica. It, it's it's it? brilliant it we're, so we're halfway through season two uh, at the moment and that's it yeah so only only the one on netflix at the moment mm -hmm. but yes it's it's excellent it's the production values are so so well um so much money's been spent like you know the, the proper it's got a proper real realistic feel to it um so i really i really dig all that and knowing where it goes it's proper exciting so i think it it was sold as the um the next great sci-fi after Battlestar, and Battlestar had an immediacy to it and i, I think i went mm -hmm. in thinking right this is going to be the new Battlestar, and it's not really is it it's more like game of thrones this yeah. has actually got quite a lot of Game of Thrones to it. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of political manoeuvring on Earth and Mars and how, they're, how they deal with each other. They're basically at this cold war between the two of them. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of resentment between them. There's a, like moving the pieces around the board. But when things kick off, when shit goes down, it, it, gets, it gets really intense. So it's like it pays off in a big way. Um, and I love realistic space combat. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for sort of relativistic combat and stuff like that. So I love all that shit. But there you go. That's my nerdy recommendation. I do definitely, definitely strongly recommend it. But even if you guys bummed you guys tried and didn't like it, that's a shame. I'll try that's again because I do want to like it. I do. I like that sort of show generally. So I'm sure if I give it a go, I'll, I'll get into it. I mean, yeah, I agree on that sentiment. If I can binge watch a series, it might have a chance. And when I tried to watch it, it was with the episode preferred one by one after the episode. I think I watched the first episodes and I just, just didn't have any appetite to wait and get the third one the next week, you know, so. Is people still there? Yeah. Things went very yeah. smooth then. Uh, yes. I think Joel they... got assimilated. <laughs> yeah, Joel, you kind of broke breaking up a lot right now. Your picture quality is really poor and, and your sound went through the through the shitter. Um, just oh, FYI. No. I have no idea why. But that was that was extreme. Um, Pretty my wife tried to use the Wi-Fi. Just, just downloading just so many torrents all at once, <laughs> <laughs> filling up your fat pipes with illegals. Actually, that sounds like something that will happen in Mexico. Um, so, <laughs> uh, right, that's a little bit of Trump sloganish for you there. So let's talk about some video games, Richard. There's a yeah. thing coming out like next week that yeah. I, some people seem to care about. I, however, 
I'm done. I'm done. I'm spent. Everything I'm hearing about this is making me less interested. But like, you tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'll tell you why you're wrong. Because I've got one pre-ordered, so I've got to like it. Um, six sleeps to go, Ben. Six sleeps, and then it may be mine. We'll see if I'm allowed it because it's technically a birthday gift. So it When's I might your not get it for fourteenth. <laughs> All right, okay, not that long. Not that long, but eleven days is quite a long time when I can't bear to wait another six. When you when when you know when you're waiting to play one game, two games. I'm really two. looking forward to snipper clips. And I know this is kind of like I've got to find something to like because I'm getting one. But Snipper Clips looks fun, right? Have you had a look at this? Yeah, yeah it's another mini game collection. No, it's, well, I think it might be a slight experience, but it's not really mini games. It's um, it looks quite fun as a co-op little um, you know, diversion from Zelda. Because yeah, Zelda is going to be the main game, obviously. Um, but I'm just excited for the hardware. I just want to feel it. I want to see how it slides together, how the controllers come apart, how they go together, what the pro controllers like, and just excited. Whether to- or whether or not they sync up or stop working, or there is that. There's been reports this week of because um, we, we finally got hands on uh, across a wider group of people in the press and they've been allowed to talk about their first impressions of the hardware. There are apparently Joy-Con sync issues when the device is docked. So I don't know if that's something that can be fixed via a software patch or if it's just a hardware problem that's going to be um, an issue with the device going forward, hopefully the former. But yeah, they're not having a great time of it this week um, in terms of hyping up the launch because we've got those sync issues with the controllers um, confirmation that virtual console won't be ready at launch, um, which a lot of people were banking on to make up for the lack of new games. Um, so yeah, I, I can understand some people might be bummed out about it, but like I say, I'm getting one regardless. So I'm maintaining my excitement. <laughs> This is so weird. I asked for you to hype me, and you just basically sound like you're you're really struggling, Rich. It's like, oh, you know, I, I'm maintaining as best as I can with the two games and the sync issues, and oh, virtual console's not there, and you know what, everything. This console has been rushed because they ever couldn't build it any longer. Do you ever get hyped by a console launch, though? Actual on launch day, you know, then. In recent history, and you've actually, how's my connection? Can everyone hear me? I better yes, double yes, check yes, that beforehand. Yeah, right. That's all right. Uh, do, you know, in recent history of console launches, they've all been pretty shambolic. Uh, you know, it, when you talked about the virtual console just then, saying the Wii, you know, uh, sorry, not the Wii, the Switch isn't launching with the virtual console. Um, was it, I can't remember, was it the Xbox or the PS4 that didn't launch with Blu ray support initially? So you couldn't play movies until. Uh, like a later app or software update, all of them launched missing huge features. Seems to be kind of par for the course now. Um, I can't remember. That does ring a bell, but I can't remember what console that was. Yeah, it was one or the other. I can't remember. And the and whichever one it was, the opposite one had a different uh, major outstanding feature that wasn't available at launch as well. So, uh, I yeah, I think 
I had a look at the launch lineup earlier, and you know, Zelda's obviously the standout strong candidate there. Um, and there's, I think there are some other, you know, maybe yeah, snipper clips I don't really know much about. So um, there are some indie games in there. World of Goo, well, I think we've all seen that one, know what that's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, Switch could probably have some really good, good ideas and sort of showcase what's probably going to be coming up. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's any worse than um, anything in recent history, um, but I'm not going to say it's anything better either. <laughs> So, Richard, I'm expecting some some pictures of you are in a roof garden with your 20-something friends playing <laughs> some awesome 1-2-Switch around this tiny 7-inch screen, which you won't really be able to see, considering you will be, you know, your mind's with lots of uh, alcohol. So I, I'm, you're going to be you're going to be like the heart of the party. Yeah? You're going to have all your your family and your friends around and you'll be playing switch. It's going to be no, really what you're going to be doing is going to be play Zelda on the toilet. Isn't it? That's going to be well, all you're going to be doing with it. Yep. I'm taking the advert at face value, to be honest. I mean, I don't have friends right now, but I'm sure once I've got the switch, <laughs> that's going to happen for me. Yes. <laughs> social magnet. There'll be, there'll be no stopping you. I just, I don't know. I think I was so excited for this console when it announced and then everything since, has dampened it. It just feels like it's not ready. It feels like it should have been the end of the bloody year. You know, have all their online features ready to go. Have all the, the you know, the hardware ironed out. Have a decent, you know, have the Mario game ready for the launch as well as the Zelda. All this stuff that's going to be drip fed to us through the year, which is actually looking really Spartan for releases at the moment from them anyway. It's not like it's not like by Christmas there's going to be hundreds of titles. I mean, that would be silly anyway. But there's not even I, going to be te- there's not even going to be tens of titles. There's going to be like three. So raise, it's sort of like what is I was going to say. You raise, you raise a good point. Um, and I thought about this earlier. And then when I thought about if you put it into perspective, with you've got Scorpio at the end of the year, and at the start, uh, and what just previously at the end of last year we had the PS4 Pro. I figure what they're seeing is this is their launch window, basically. They don't want to go up necessarily um, in direct competition with the launch of another piece of hardware. So but they're not. They're not competing. They're, they're a completely different market. Yeah, and I, I think they announced the March date before we even knew about the PS4 Pro. I might be wrong on that, but I, I don't think that was even common knowledge at that point. Um so I, th- I think they've just gone with the earliest possible date that they could launch this thing. And and it kind of worked, you know. So it probably would have played better at the end of this year, but knowing when... It's it's Zel- Zel- Zelda, Zelda forced their hand. Zelda forced that's, their hand. That's it. Zelda had to come out, and it yeah. had to come out on the new hardware because it would just be on Wii. A repeat of the Wii Wii U. No, sorry, GameCube um, Wii scenario. The fact that the Zelda's going to be on both consoles, I can't wait to see numbers. I mean, it's, I mean, the Wii U doesn't exactly have a huge install base, but I still think it's going to kick the shit out of the Switch, like for the for sales. The, the Zelda is not going to be getting picked up on a lot of Switches. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. GameStop and, you know, Game and that. Yeah, we're going to have loads of Switches, uh, you know, at launch. And that's probably not because Nintendo have undersold through to them, it's probably because there aren't many pre orders. Um, there's apparently lots of interest in pre-orders. I don't know how. What does what does that mean? So, what is an interest in a pre-order? What is that? It means what lots, is of that? People, lots of people are looking online for it. Yeah, more than previous. More than before. actually pre-ordering it though. They're looking, they're looking at pre-orders, but 
he's not actually doing it. That's that's well, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, people talk. People keep talking about whether they're going to cancel them. Um, because uh, you you've cancelled your pre-order, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I had so, what I had pre-ordered down. Yeah, I I checked earlier, of... and um, so I looked when we discussed it on one of the previous podcasts. I had a look on Amazon, and the the dispatch date was well after launch day. So they they'd sold through their allocation. I looked today, and uh, you can pre-order one for launch day. So either they've been given a ton more stock. Uh, so they can fulfill extra pre-orders or a lot of people are cancelled and you can now get one on launch day. Not sure which, but... Um, something interesting, um, actually, um, my wife sometimes uses the Littlewoods shopping system. You know, it's like a thing where it's like a catalogue shopping thing where you pay off mm-hmm. uh, a month, monthly things. And I was just like, I'll have a look on that website. I'm just, it's not going to be there, is it? I mean, there's, come on, don't be silly. And look, Nintendo Switch... They've, they've got them available for the day of release. And you're yeah, like, if, if a site was... like that can have access to the stock, it makes me think that there's a lot of stock not being needed elsewhere. See what I'm saying? I wouldn't make that connection. I mean, Littlewoods charge a lot of money for their stuff, don't they? They put a premium on yeah, it. Yeah, very rarely use it. But it's curious because I was like... Huh, okay, but that's not, I mean, that's not somewhere you'd normally would think of being able to pick up a video game piece of hardware at launch. That just seems no, counterintuitive. They, they always stock stuff like that, don't they? Yeah. No, yeah, my... I mean, it may be that there's been lots of interest initially, and that has died down the more we learn about it. As I said, I understand why people might feel that way, but mm. there is a lot of interest in it. And if people don't pick one up straight away, I've heard people say um, they're cancelling their pre-order or they're not picking up one at launch. They're still going to get one. They're just waiting for Mario months later in the year. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And I think that's very smart. I'm not saying, um, you know, the console's dead before it began or anything like that. I just think I think Nintendo's going to get a bit of a shock. And I think it's very telling that the, the stock price now, we all thought it was crazy, didn't we, when it was announced, the stock price dropping nintendo and then it's like actually no maybe these guys actually had an idea about what was going on here a little bit that that this wasn't necessarily going to be a runaway success from moment one and it's the problem is it's nintendo tracing chasing the wii isn't it it's that they're, they're always chasing that wii now that wii success um and i think they need to realize that's not ever going to happen um do you think that they're looking for a big bang success out of this though? Because that's not the feeling I get. I mean, yeah, but what you know, what you talk about? Every business wants that. Every every hardware manufacturer wants that big bang success. That fifty million units in two years. That you know, that kind of thing. They all well, want. They've, they've talked about deliberately drip feeding the games over a longer period. That's why there's there's a smaller <laughs> games at launch. Deliberately drip feeding, Del- that, that you, as if they have a choice. I mean, what you? That's because well, that's because they don't have their party support. Available. I'm thinking they they only have a limited amount of studios and resources to make first party games, and that they have to stretch it out over four years or something over, over at least half a life, uh, half the console life cycle. You know, well, they they just don't have the they don't have the support. Fucking World of Goo says it all, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that World of Goo is a launch this console this is a game that's been out for how many years i haven't even looked it up but it's got to be like four or five years something like that yeah maybe yeah. more it i think you're looking more like six week. or seven yeah six or seven years that's just Long time. 
that's just nuts. And it's like people going like, I, I, I follow a few video game communities online and stuff. People going, oh, well, now Shovel Knight's been added to the launch lineup. I'm excited. And it's just like, you haven't, you wanted to play Shovel Knight and you hadn't played it at this point. And that's getting you hyped for Switch. What the fuck is wrong with you? Did you sort of, when it came out, did you go, well, at some point in the future, Nintendo's going to release a console. And on that console, I will play Shovel Knight. I mean, like, what the fuck's the thinking there? You know, it doesn't make any sense. It's just people justifying their pre-orders like you struggled to do a minute ago. And it's, it's uh, you know, it, I, I love new hardware. I want a Switch. I love the concept. I love the concept of this, this two-in-one device, but that's already been sullied by them saying things like, oh, we're still supporting 3DS. That's still a primary handheld console. And it's like they're giving that mixed message. You know, you need to say, no, we're dropping 3DS. All our development focus is going to go on the Switch. And that's how you help that get an install base. You can't fucking have it both ways. It's so, it's so, no, oh, frustrating. What? Why do they need to drop 3DS support? It's, well, no, they don't need to drop 3DS support, but it's a, it's a marketing, it's a perception thing, isn't it? If you start saying, I'm gonna, we're going to put all our mobile, all our eggs into this awesome hybrid device, this device is so amazing, we want all of our games, our handheld games, our console games, we want all of them on this device, then that means more people want to pre-order it. You're going to convince yourselves, you're going to convince the developers, and you're going to convince the public that this is the new shit hot thing. Well, maybe. But if you don't give the messaging like that, you won't convince anyone. That's a maybe, Ben. Um... The definite outcome of that is that you'll kill 3DS sales, and that's all they got. So, well, yeah, that if you have, that just proves they, they don't have confidence in the, intend to do. Yeah, but they don't have confidence in their own hardware. Then that's all that means. It means you don't have confidence in what you're bringing out. No, I don't think. Well, that gives it, a, a very weak message. I don't agree. I don't think they need to kill their 3DS sales to guarantee Switch success. But so, I'm, I'm not talking about actually like saying it that you know. But they could at least they could at least sort of put a bit of shine on it. But they've been, you know, maybe this is just Japanese culture. They're very they're sort of honest in a weird way about this sort of stuff. Sometimes when yeah. they when they talk to the public, it's like you just need to think about how this is going to be perceived in the West. You know, if you really want this to be a success in the US and, the, and Europe, you need to make people think that they're investing in a piece of hardware that's going to be supported, unlike the Wii U, un, you know, unlike the GameCube. You need to show that this is going to catch on and be worth the investment. And yeah. it's not a super cheap piece of hardware. They could have gone cheaper on it and therefore, you know, made it look a little bit more appealing as a as a casual purchase. But it's still quite an investment for a lot of people, especially you know with the way things are. Yeah, so, you're right. You're right. I mean, yeah. I, I'm picking one up as a third console, right? Because I've got PS4 Pro. I've got Xbox One S. I'll probably get a Scorpio at the end of the year. The Switch will be a third device. And if it just gets the occasional Nintendo uh, gem as it's, going to get because that's what nintendo consoles get i'm happy with that but someone else is going to drop 280 quid minimum because you know you've got all the other accessories to bolt onto that as well and they're looking at um that being a big outlay for them and they don't have other consoles it's a problem if it doesn't get supported in the way that yeah you say. yeah Whereas you could you could point at the Xbox at this at this point in its life cycle and it's got loads of great games or the PlayStation at the moment it's loads of great games and Horizon Zero Dawn so many great exclusives and stuff it's a I don't know how you make that value proposition I really don't it's a, it's a they it's always a tend to hit the ground you know hit the ground running in the second year most consoles the first year you normally get a re sometimes you get one or two good launch titles along with a sort of you know fleshed out with a few other you know titles that kind of average or a bit crap um and then people sort of get to grips of it by the second year it just seems to that's when things seem to pick up and it's you know the wii's probably one of the like modern exceptions because it 
hit the ground running on hardware sales from the off basically it was insane but actually software support after that was really weak so well that's it people um, bought it for the packing we sports and then yeah. never bought anything else <laughs> well i will say this as we close this little bit of segment out in two weeks time expect richard's full review yeah mm. I'll, I'll bring so, it on I'm, the podcast. I'll show I'm, it. i am looking forward to to hearing about it hands-on i'm sure i'm gonna want one i know i'm gonna want one uh, if money was not an object i would have one definitely as it seems to be for richard who buys um so let's he's not even denying it look he's like yeah i'm a flash bastard I'm, i got I'm gonna all the monies i'll get one later this year myself as well I, I i love buying every games console so you know I'm looking you, guys, to that. you guys are just rich motherfuckers like i don't even know man i know all these rich people and why can't i why? share some of the love guys come on just... <laughs> Yeah, well, all I wanted was a prize for my 200th review. But <laughs> <laughs> right, have you guys have you guys been following this this PewDiePie nonsense? Yeah, that's sort of. that's kind of gone yeah. weird. And Not... I just thought it was worth bringing up because it is so kind of like <laughs> mental. So like, I'm going to give a basic PewDiePie and Milo in the same week have been done for saying something offensive. What's going on? I don't on? know who's Milo. I don't even know who that is. Milo's the um, Breitbart tech editor. Oh, hold on. He's a Breitbart tech editor and he's been done for saying something. Isn't that kind of like just par of the course? Like, you know, isn't that expected? Well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, weird. Anyway, but... PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Um, in a nutshell, PewDiePie has been doing some weird comedy. I'm doing the little rabbit ears. You can't maybe see on radio. Comedy skits about how hilarious Nazis are. And how it's really good to mock Jewish people. Brilliant. It's it's always going to be a hit. And he basically this blew up because the Wall Street Journal did this slightly weird expose as if they'd been tipped off about this stuff. And did this video basically chronicling all his seemingly racist jokes, um, which which basically the main one was him paying a couple of Indian guys to uh, hold up a, a racial placard on a video um and you know putting these on video you know online and getting millions of hits because it's a pewdiepie video that's going to get millions of hits uh and this blew up this blew up in a, in a major way uh which resulted in uh maker studios which are a offshoot of disney dropping him but there's been an interesting development on that front in the last few days um and then also um he had like a preferential ad um deal in place with uh youtube who um promoted a lot of his stuff through this and they dropped him as well um and this has kind of been going on a bit uh, and it's like you there's a few facets to this is the initial was it an overreaction then of course you can counter that with if a jewish person finds this offensive then that's valid uh you know because it is ostensibly racist his his silly comments about you know i'm a amateur comedian or i'm a rookie comedian no you're just not funny pewdiepie i mean that's the there's a difference there you're not a comedian because you're not you're not really funny you're not really that's not really what you do you used to scream at horror games you know you that's that was your thing stick to it but i can't pretend to be a big knowledgeable person about this because i'm i'm a bit old media in the fact that i i don't really watch a lot of pewdiepie or youtubers and, and stuff like so, that i guess or twitch streamers but i don't know it's a weird one how do you guys feel about this what are you guys seeing oh, there's so many in. elements to it yeah because i've i've seen the story but i didn't really look into it but when i saw it on the podcast notes i thought well i better go and uh, better go get myself clued up on this just so i don't um come out with any old crap uh so it in the specific tipping point context the one where he got the guys to hold up the sign about um killing all jews he was 
it seems he was actually there's just some website where you can go to called yeah. Fiverr or something. So his his remit was ah oh, there's just you know I was just going to pick some random funny site that people are talking about and just try it out and kind of see what it does. And on this site you can go on there and you can uh, for five dollars you can type something and some people will say it or or do something funny like that. So he just was doing that for a while and pushing the buttons and just seeing how far it would go. And then they literally roll you know these two indian guys who don't speak english these tribal looking people sort of roll this sign out that's um says like murder all the jews i can't remember exactly what it said but gas uh, yeah it wasn't gas I, I don't think it had gas in it but um and then yeah he, he's kind of just like wow i didn't expect they'd actually go that far just seeing how far he could push the button so it you know having watched a bit of the video and seeing the whole context behind it and stuff i didn't really think much of it to be honest and i think ben's right i think some media outlets just been tipped off and then just hung on this one point gone back historically and yeah maybe he said a few other uh, things here and there but all just seems a a lot about nothing to me now i can understand with all the media attention why disney have backed out and youtube have sort of um, made some adjustments that's probably just uh, you know being a bit sensible but uh, it just seems totally out of proportion well the interesting from what he said the interesting thing from uh, Wrinkle is that Maker dropped him, Maker, the Maker Studios people, the Disney offshoot. Mm. Um, but that, now they've just dropped, like, I think that there's thousands of other YouTubers. They've just dropped them. It's like they're, they're pulling back from that whole sector. Um, so it's almost, it almost seems like that he was just the first. Therefore, you know, it could just almost be a complete you could argue it was a complete almost coincidence or more of a case of they, they now see it maybe as too much risk. Uh, and it's a sector they can just get out of and save some money because why bother when they're going to be uh, the biggest one out there is a total knob. I think the biggest problem with PewDiePie is that he just isn't that bright. Um, I don't think he understands that, you know, there are consequences to actions. Um, plus, I mean, there's been a lot of argument. I, I've seen that, you know, maybe he did this on purpose. He wanted out of that deal anyway. Um, he tried to get out of the Maker Studios deal a, a while back, and they convinced him to say. So maybe he he's just what does he do? What does PewDiePie do? Right, he he generates controversy to stay in the news cycle. This he shows up every few months in a similar fashion. Maybe not as obvious as this one. But he usually does something. So it's almost like that Wall Street Journal just that whole the whole video package they put together. I watched the whole thing. It's about four minutes long, and it's a bit weird. It's like why did they suddenly choose now to do that? Why did they suddenly go, right, we've done this video, and then we're going to go back through all of his videos, and we're going to find that time where he dressed up in a sort of Nazi-esque uniform and watched a Hitler speech, and we're going to find that time where he did a slightly Nazi-esque kind of like Heil Hitler salute, and we're, we're, going to, we're going to put it all together into a swish little package, and we're going to paint this guy as a villain. And it just it just seemed very artificial and very odd, and why, of all the places to do it, the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, that's like, what I was going to say. Was it? It was definitely the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it definitely, definitely is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it was some kind of crazy conspiracy, but it just smells a bit fishy, doesn't it? It's just a bit odd. Um, but you know, he, this guy is probably generated more views and more subscriptions out of this than any that he may have lost due to the offensive nature of his content. You know, um, because that's kind of why people like him, isn't it? People like him because he is a bit edgy and a bit a bit risque and he's like, oh, he'll just say what he thinks, man. He's so cool and, and hip and just in touch with, 
you know, reality and all that shit. Isn't that right, Richard? You're down with the kids, Rich. You've got all those people hanging out in your in your rooftop garden ready to play Switch. So, you know, ask them. What do they what do they think of all this? No, I don't know. I think my imaginary friends and your my roof garden, they'd be pushing PewDiePie off the fucking roof. So <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. I've, you don't I've, like I've, him. I've never had any time for him. I've watched him a couple times just to see what the deal is, and I, I don't get it. Is that what it is, that he's edgy and people like that? Cause it's because you're old, Richard, and you're out of touch, man. Come on. Yeah, just, maybe. We're all there. We're all there. We're all the same. We don't get this humour. He's too He's too clever for us. He's so clever, he seems like an idiot. I mean, that's, that's pretty smart, yeah? I mean, that is incredible. <laughs> what a play. I mean, like, wow. Um... I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't want to go on about this too much. We've got lots of games to talk about as well. Um, but it's curious to see. It's not like it's ruined him, is it? You know, he's not. He's not going anywhere. He's, no. he's a multi-millionaire at this point. Like there's more money than God situation. So it's, it's just because really I feel like Joel, you actively researching like right now as we as we talk. Just when you, you said it was the Wall Street Journal, the first thing that comes into my mind is like ah, this might be some stock market play or something. So I was just trying to see what the stock, the, the recent stock price changes in Disney or Maker Studios, but it says that Maker Studios is actually privately owned. So it's still a private business. So anyway, there's there's nothing down that thread. <laughs> I, I was wondering if it was a stock market play just to get some stock to adjust, uh, you know, spontaneously on some bad news or something. What, so. I mean, it's probably more simple than that. It's probably a case of you you mentioned PewDiePie and controversy in a, in a headline, you get hits. You know, that's that's as simple as that. You you say PewDiePie, Nazi Jews, uh, you know, PewDiePie is a Nazi who hates Jews in a headline that bang hits loads of hits. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of news articles on our website, because it's it's too easy to fall into that clickbait trade uh, trap. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's so, so easy. Um, and, it, and they everybody just piled on. Yeah, um, I, I look, it, I don't want to defend the guy because what he did was wrong. Right. You know, you shouldn't. That's not funny and it's not smart and it's incredibly short sighted. And it was it's not that one instant. There is a pattern of behavior which shows him to be either incredibly ignorant or in willfully, you know, disrespectful and borderline racist. So however you paint him, he's a dick. But at the same time, it is kind of crazy to see how how much hate he gets from from, you know, these little things. Just ignore the guy. If you ignore him, he'll go away. He, he he feeds on that attention. Is it that's yeah. that's what sustains him. So if you want him gone, just, just ignore him. It is kind of weird that it's like a thing, especially in the current political cri uh, climate. Mm -hmm. That you know, this is commonplace. This is every two minutes on Twitter you see stuff like this. What is the big deal? And th there's that many people outraged about it. Seemingly, I just can't get my head around it because I. As a liberal, I feel quite desensitized to this stuff now. Obviously, like you say, it's wrong. But I'm not here screaming about how awful it is and how he needs to be sacked from whatever job he's doing. You know, it's just there's so many people doing this that it's it's totally lost its edge. And it can't be long before people, the people that are doing it realize that it's not edgy. It's well, when, you know, when the, when the president of the United States is doing it, it kind of yeah. doesn't that mean what you're doing isn't edgy? I mean, like at that point, you couldn't get much more mainstream, really, could you? I mean, than the president, than Mr. Trump. I mean, surely, it's weird. Anyway, let's move on.
who wants to talk about some video games? Video games we've reviewed. I'm going to go to Joel because it's it's his special 200th review. Review. Uh, finally, my prize to go first. <laughs> Your prize to go first, and to talk about the awesome Stardew Valley, which I also played a lot of over Christmas. Uh, it's been out for a little while now, and it's been out loads on PC and stuff. But um, yeah, tell me your thoughts and how you played it as well. Actually, I'm very curious because I know you played it in this interesting <laughs> okay. way. So yeah, one thing I didn't really talk about in the review was uh, so we were talking about it before, obviously better than everyone knows. But yeah, I've been away on business in Hong Kong for a uh, for a week, and uh, I knew I, I'm enjoying the game, and it's uh, the perfect kind of game that it's not very kind of um input sensitive so uh, what i wanted to do is see how far you could really push the xbox's remote streaming feature so normally the remote streaming feature of a windows 10 pc and your xbox and they're on the same local network in your house and you can sit at your pc and stream the output from your xbox and uh plug a controller into your pc and just play the games uh it's pretty it's pretty cool feature i played around with it at home i tested a bit when it was first launched because i just wanted to see what it could do um i played two uh two rise of the, no the original tomb raider the first one not rise of the tomb raider I played that for quite a bit and that was about as far as you could get away with i did try destiny but um playing online games online shooters uh through the remote streaming feature isn't very good so anyway i did some uh port forwarding and some specialist setup on my network and stuff and i took my laptop and an xbox controller to me to hong kong and yeah sure enough i sat at the hotel at night playing uh my xbox back in the uk uh stardew valley because it's a nice peaceful game it's slow paced like i say it's not too um dependent on responsive input uh and it was yeah it all went well but eventually the hotel did block me they were a bit um, annoyed at someone using a non-standard ports and generating lots of traffic so i actually got cut off by the hotel firewall after three days uh which is a bit frustrating so i only managed to achieve it for three days but yeah it was uh yeah it's pretty impressive it did work it was a bit um depending on how busy the network was in the hotel or the wi-fi it was a bit jittery at times but it did work on the lowest streaming quality so uh, if anyone's interested in how you can play your Xbox whilst you're out of the country, I'd certainly recommend just going to Google and, and have a quick search for Xbox remote streaming over the internet. And there's plenty of good tutorials on how to set it up. Uh, I love the so idea anyway. of this IT, IT guy in a, in a hotel seeing this weird-ass fucking traffic coming from a certain room and being like, whoa, this needs to stop. <laughs> I really like that. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> trigger off a few red flags on their uh, on their firewall basically which eventually they just blocked which really was quite a pain in the butt but um anyway onto okay. the game itself so i haven't played it on the pc i know it's been out for i think uh, maybe nearly a year now on the pc it's um uh, so this is the xbox one port that i've been sat down and playing uh and yeah it's a very pleasant game so my first expectations were that it was a, basically a farming simulator kind of game and that's what i was kind of going into it with the view of uh so you get dropped in the world um you know you inherit your granddad's farm he you know he's sent you out this way to seek the simpler life and you know the first thing i'm trying to do is just like right you know let, let's smash this game i'm just gonna freaking i'm gonna spend all day i'm gonna freaking hoe all these fields i'm gonna cut these trees down and smash these rocks up i'm gonna turn this into a proper fucking industrial farm sorry uh swearing a bit <laughs> right. um, and, um yeah so i'm sitting there just like the first thing i'm just like right, i'm gonna clear these trees i'm just hacking away at the trees it's like 7 20 in the morning like yeah one tree down two trees down 
three trees down uh and it gets to about 8 20 and then i realized that it's sort of moaning a bit that i'm beginning to feel a bit exhausted so i'm like well i better better stop for a second all right i'll carry on and then like i passed out from exhaustion uh and uh you wake up in your house the next day and basically like they're like oh the medical people found you you'd passed out from exhaustion oh and you know we we put you back in your house and you're okay and by the way we've charged you 50 gold uh or 50 of the local currency for your for the privilege of uh, sorting you out it's like oh my god money's so limited i've just wasted some money on that uh so that was my first realization that right this game's uh you know it's got some purposeful uh mechanics in it to really pace it make it slow um and so yeah you have to you have to take the gentle approach you, you i mean you can eat food and things to replenish your stamina but it's uh it's quite difficult to get yourself in a nice sustaining cycle you'll you'll sort of realize oh, i need food you'll go out foraging but then the time passes during the day so it really limits what you can actually achieve in a day um and it's yeah it's quite a pleasant pacing actually you you begin to realize that i i wanted to go in industrious and basically make a, a full-on mechanized farm that was just self-sufficient i could just kick back and just watch the money roll in but that's not really what this game is about it's more about um yeah play, you know just like i i think i, I as i said in the review if you go to the website and have a look at the review you can see it's kind of like i think this is a game that's meant to be tackled piecemeal you're meant to dip in and dip out of it like 10 20 minutes a day sitting down and playing it in long play sessions you you know it's it's okay to begin with but it'll you'll get bored very quickly i don't think it's got a huge amount of variety you'll find yourself following a very similar pattern day in day out but it's not that bad if you play it in piecemeal pieces there's a community aspect to it as well if you want to do it um you can interact with a lot of villagers you can try and build relationships you can try and get married and you know they're, they're the villagers have problems you've got to solve so um yeah it it looks beautiful as well i love the soundtrack as well that supports it it's very um takes me right back to playing sort of games on the um, you know um on the super nintendo that's what it really reminds me of the 16-bit era now, I never played Harvest Moon, which I think is probably the games that I've been told by uh, some of my friends who've played this quite a bit, it most relates to. So um, if you're a fan of Harvest Moon, I believe that this will probably a, be a good modern game for you. I mean, what, what happened with me was um, I just reviewed Battlefield 1, Call of Duty, and uh, Titanfall 2 back-to-back at Christmas, right? And I'm like... God, I need a break from that. So I bought that. I bought Stardew Valley. I was like, oh, this is a, a pastoral idyll. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go in here and I'm gonna potter around and I'm gonna I'm do a little bit of like you said, hoeing. It's all about the hoe, baby. You gotta get a good hoe action. Uh and then uh, a little bit of pickaxe, dig some holes, plant some seeds, go to sleep, watch them grow every day, water them, harvest them, sell them. You know, it just oh just relax <sighs> like that deep breath and um yeah there's there's way more to that game than farming like there is so much there's there's like um there's, there's elements of like dungeon crawling elements in mines where you can go mm-hmm. in and like fight monsters and find treasure there's like you said the whole relationship stuff there's um there's like a, a framing narrative to do with the i think it's your grandfather who you inherit the farm from there's this whole corporate takeover storyline where the evil mega corporation is looking to muscle in on the on the local kind of shops and communities and yeah it's so it's so it's so big basically one guy made this game one guy 
right? Heavily inspired by a Harvest Moon, obviously, but he blew it out in ways uh, that you never would expect. And it's actually well written, like you said, a great art style, a really nice music that just you can just drift off to a pleasant place with. And that's that's definitely how I play that game. I play. I think it's a great sort of. Um, counteract to the more modern triple a shooters and horror games or like you just done a long resident evil session like you know put stardew valley on chill out just just come down off of that adrenaline high and, and just be like oh yes games can be chill games can be so chill it's nice i really like my time at stardew valley i need to get back to it i probably i probably put about 15 hours total in over christmas i i, I could do it some more I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing my time. Yeah, it was what I would kept going back to. I kept going back. It is a lot for me. Yeah, it's, it's often games like that don't don't hold me um, that long, and so I don't have time to spend on the games. But it was after the big Christmas rush, so December kind of came along. It quietened down, and I was able to just. I think after Dead Rising as well and stuff at the start of December, I was able to just be like, oh yes, playing much better game than Dead Rising. Yes. Mm. Um, so so is Stardew Valley coming out on Switch? Mm. Uh, we have a quick look oh is that what happened when you heard about it did you go oh i know i'll wait for it to get released on a so far unannounced nintendo console in the sometime in the future because that'll be the place to play it that is exactly what i did it's lucky so that they went played i haven't played stardew valley yet so it would be comes out on Switch, it ready? would be really nice to play it on the handheld and just take it away with you and because yeah. from what joel says it's um kind of games to dip into for 10 15 minutes it's very much like um animal crossing in that respect you, it, you know, it's yeah it sort of is but i think i felt I, I felt more compelled to come back than maybe joel did like i had that problem where uh just one more day just one more day just one more day just one more day like that you know you go to sleep you do you get tired then you have to go maybe have an early night and then it's just like oh your money comes in from the things you've harvested and it's just like oh i'm just gonna do one more day and see how that goes and what who i'm gonna talk to in that one and what story be i'm gonna find out this time and then be like and you the other thing you do is you plan your days ahead like you'd be like oh tomorrow i'm gonna do a fishing day and the day after that i'm gonna do a mining day and then i'm gonna do a talk to the villagers day and then i'm gonna do a farming day um like that and you end up having like a little plan in your head uh maybe that's just me because i'm mental but uh yeah i don't know but no i yeah. it's so pleasant yeah I, do, I didn't quite get to that phase i felt every time i was slightly uh, maybe a bit more reactive in the sense that i had like every time i was trying to like right um had a current objective that i was trying to achieve so like yeah first day i'd be like right, i've just harvested all my crop i need to go to the shop get some seeds i need to plant a whole new batch so you'd go and do that and that would consume half your day and then you'd be like oh i'm run out of food i need to go foraging because i just sold everything i grew for money um and then yeah it's like oh then you learn you can unlock the next crafting level so it's like ah, i can build some automated sprinkler but i need to get iron so i need to get to like i don't know how deep in the mine i need to get to so you go to the mine and um yeah kind of that approach so it's it took me quite a long while to get past that to kind of a bit more of a you know harmonious stage i felt but it's not animal crossing is a bit different because on animal crossing it plays the times real time isn't it so every day you dip into it there's um you know an actual day in game time has moved on whereas with stardew yeah. valley you just play out uh, a, a day is about 10 or 15 minutes long in game time and so you play out one day you can only save at the end of a day uh, when you go to sleep um so yeah that's kind of the way i feel i see myself playing it. it's going to be just like dipping in for a day or two every every now and again just to keep it ticking along right 
Right then, uh, I'm going to segue beautifully now from a agrarian um, farming simulator into Sniper Elite 4, in which I blew up a lot of Nazi testicles. Clearly, there's a strong connection and throughput there to the thematic similarities. Don't you think, guys? No? No? No, all right, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I fucking love Sniper Elite 4. I gave it five out of five stars. Which surprised even myself, frankly. Um, it was one of those things where I was like, I was writing my notes for the review. I was like, holy shit, I, I really, really like this game. I was like, holy crap, I really, really, really like this game. So I then start doing it, and I'm like, I get to the end of my little my audio recording, and I'm like, so yeah, this is this is a five out of five game. I mean, I, it, this is the pinnacle of this sort of subgenre. There isn't a better sniping game. There is, there just isn't um i had so much fun going back into that into that sort of formula um have you guys played any sniping elite games before i've played three briefly because i think it was free on games for gold but um i did watch a review and it was a really good review you clearly enjoyed it it, mm. came, it came across in uh, in spades so good well thank you for that I'm, I'm interested in picking up myself as a result of that review that's that's that works yay for good review um basically basically i mean what well all right here's the here's what you do in sniper elite you are a special agent uh i forgot what the term is now before the sas oss oss agent carl fairburn um it's pretty much a direct sequel to the third game instead of being in the african campaign you know in italy um, and in this game, you get given these big open worlds. And what they've done here, what I actually I think was genius by Rebellion is, uh, obviously they've not been able to take cues from Hitman because the games would have been kind of concurrently developed. Um, but these big open worlds are very similar to how the Hitman worlds feel, the levels in Hitman. They're just a playground for you to break, basically, for you to set shit up, and you can either be incredibly straightforward and gung-ho and charge through on easy and just murder everybody without really thinking. Or you put the difficulty up a bit, you start to think about how to manipulate the environment and how that plays with the enemies. And it's so much fun. Setting up these basically like Rube Goldbian style like fucking traps, which would be like, I'm going to get a dead guy's body. I'm going to put that in the corner. That means I'm going to put a tripwire here. And when that guy comes over, he sees the dead guy's body, goes to investigate, goes over the tripwire and explodes. And it's like, that's satisfying. And then that explosion goes off and it draws more people in. I'm going to, then that guy's coming over. I'm going to snipe that guy in the testicles because there is no better place to snipe a guy. I'm sorry, this isn't. Uh, these are, and that's what's so beautiful about this game right now, right? In a world full of like, um, sort of ambiguity and moral sort of questions and gray areas. It's like, who do we know are evil fuckers that deserve to have their testicles blown off? Fucking Nazis. Every time a fucking Nazi will deserve to have his testicles blown off. He's a Nazi. You can't get more justification than that. It's brilliant. And it, and you just feel good every time you do it. It feels so good. And, and Rebellion know exactly what they're doing. They have this gratuitous, there's no other word for it. They have this gratuitous x-ray cam which means that when you do like a really, not even like necessarily an impressive sniping shot, but like it'd be sort of like you can turn the frequency of the camera up so it happens every single time if you want. But that gets, <laughs> even even to me, that gets a little bit trying. Like, you know, trying to get through a level 
and you're just constantly going into x-ray slow-mo cam and it's like no i just need to progress but um so like you'll, you'll get a guy in the head or like from like 200 meters away and it'll be like zoom in slow motion watch the bullet penetrate the front and explode out the back and his brains go everywhere and it's so good uh but yeah and the testicles zooms in watch it go, <laughs> the, testicle, the testicle explodes and he's dead and it's uh, you even get more points for shooting them in the testicles you get more points for a testicle shot because it's harder to do you see because it's more you have to be more accurate and it's a smaller target um so it's um no it's brilliant fucking loved it it's just so it's so over the top and it's so violent and it's so cartoonish and stupid and the story is uh, like actually really well done actually good voice act well I should say some of the voice acting is good. Sometimes you'll you'll be speaking to an Italian NPC and you'll be like, "That sounded like everything except Italian." Yeah, um, the, the voice acting is quite bad in terms of the accents, German as well. But the writing is good enough, yeah. and and you know, Carl, the main character is perfectly chiselled as a hero character, and it's not really about the story. It's more about these these. I think it's eight eight or eight to ten separate distinct um, campaign levels, which are massive filled with side objectives and uh, optional objectives and the primary object mission. And you have lots of choice as to how you do it. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just so goddamn well executed. It really understands what it is and what it's trying to be. And, and it's very good looking as well. Very uh, pretty game, really nice vistas. Um, the way they, they use sound as a mechanic. I really like that as well. How they different things like you probably experienced this in the third game, but they've really got creative with the, the variety of ways sound can um, come up in the environment to mask your shot. So like on one mission, it was like planes coming overhead. Like, and when the planes came overhead, that would mask your shot. And another mission, there's this big rail, uh, big sort of um, cannon on the, on a train. And every time that fires off, you can use that to mask your shot. Um, and it's just, I really like being a sniper in games. I've always enjoyed that sort of feeling of long range combat where you, you know, you're, you're right on the edge of being able to see something. You're 500 meters out. You're really, stretching the viability of the shot you know you wait for the moment you pick the target you, you know you're following him you know you've watched his routine you wait for him to come his head pop up for that momentary uh second above the, the wall or whatever you take the breath you hold it you pull the trigger gently the bullet flies in that perfect slow motion and you watch as it just takes him out in the head it's so satisfying and one thing i will point out as well you know they took a lot of criticism on board about their their medium and close range combat and that's vastly improved as well in this one. The SMGs and the shotguns feel good. They've got a much better sort of um, melee kill and melee fighting system. Um, you know, and it feels really good to hide in like undergrowth and stealth kill enemies when they get close as well as, um, you know, at range. So I think the whole package there and on top of the campaign, you've got multiplayer, you've got horde mode style, you've got full co-op um, campaign option as well. So you can go through the whole campaign in co-op as well. Uh, which is really fun. I played that with my my, my brother, um, and you can you basically can you can stick together. But why would you? You know, because you're just going to end up kind of calling enemies down on yourself. So you just split up and take on the whole map separately, mm -hmm. and then you can run to help each other when needed. It's actually a really cool idea. It just feels like you're part of a, a special ops team, you know, and and you can just sort of like coordinate on the on the big sort of like armored enemies or tougher moments and stuff when you get to the latter parts and uh, parts of the mission so much in there so many so many cool mechanics um really nailed it this time yeah i don't know what they could do with another one like it feels like the pinnacle i think you kind of had me uh, you can kill nazis that's that's it <laughs> you, you notice how much you've missed it when you play this yeah. so you're like oh god it feels good to know who the bad guy is 
yeah. you know it feels it feels even especially, like especially even, now that they're real right because like half an yeah. hour on twitter you want to kill some nazis and this exactly. is the, the ultimate uh, cathartic um, outlet, I would imagine. Well, I mean, even like Battlefield One last year and stuff, the the enemies and the and the battle lines and that aren't as clear. I mean, because the motivations are very different in that war. Hmm. So you know, there's the motivations of World War Two were pretty damn fucking clear. You know, you you knew who the enemy was, and yeah. they deserved to be considered the fucking enemy. And so, you know, you, you just took them out with impunity. And, and there's a great, that's a great thing. Though. Basically, it's the idea of, yes, you want to be that lone hero, don't you? Plop you in the map, kill everyone else. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's it. Just have fun. However you want to do it. Trip mines, TNT, uh, explosion kills have now got um, slow-mo in this as well sometimes. So they can go off and, like, you know, the shrapnel will shred through enemies and just, just, just tear them apart, limbs and eyes. Fucking amazing. Um, what do you think? Any, anything from you, Joel? Are you just are you just so sick? I've I've seen or... Sniper uh, Sniper Elite Free, but I've not played it. I've I had some friends over, and one of them was playing it on his Xbox, and we he was showing me the the kill cam basically. You know, when you snipe someone, and how it basically goes to an X-ray view as you see the bullet go in, and they're like neck jerk back, and then the brains blow out the back. And I, my only question was going to be like, do they? when you shoot with the balls does it like slow right down and do you sit there going oh like with each shot as you see it coming sometimes and, it's and really nasty yeah you, sometimes you feel almost bad yeah do you, but you go do you feel a sense of empathy just like i know you're shooting no. a nazi but just shooting a nazi in the testicles no that still doesn't like ooh, you know they have it coming mm. every time they got it coming it's what they deserve joe always remember that it's what they deserve <laughs> yeah i've got a friend who's very much into the sniper elite games it sounds the only my only criticism i guess is just the amount of open world games that are around these days that means that it's just so you know there's such a big I, investment I, of time i spent upwards of like two and a half hours on one level just just i'd, I'd be sat in a in a hiding spot just waiting like i actually get in it's weird i get impatient in hitman but I don't in this. It's something about sitting behind a high-powered rifle that makes you feel like you want that perfect shot. You know, you want... Because you can scout out enemies with the binoculars and tag them so you can see where they are. So you can keep track of them a bit easier. Uh, and, and there's something about just waiting in that, in those... In the, in the brush, just hidden there, watching, you know, guys patrol right past you, you know, a meter away from you. But you've got, you got your, guy, your eye on the main target and he's... 300 meters down down range and you're just waiting for him to pop his head out and just get that sweet hit right oh, oh, hang his balls out in your case i usually i usually did that with the grunts more than the other uh, main targets because i was like i want to make sure i get them in the head because that's what that's what's gotta be done man it's gotta be, it's gotta be clean it's gotta be clean clean uh right so in in other things that require a stealthy um, attitude towards gaming, much like, you know, as a sniper, you have to be quite quiet and silent, don't you, Richard? You have to move through an environment without making as little noise as possible. He's already shaking his head because he knows where I'm going. <laughs> Richard has been reviewing Silence, The Whispered World 2, another game with silence involved somehow. But, but no, that's enough. No sniping, no. although no. <laughs> it does open with an air raid. So I guess there's snipers somewhere in this world, right? But you never see them. But yeah, this is a point-and-click game. I never played the first Whispered World, 
Um, didn't hear about it. Probably got a quiet reception. Ha <laughs> ha. So this is, um, it still works. I don't think you need to play the first game. I didn't miss anything from knowing nothing about that. But Silence is a point and click adventure. Um, first thing that strikes you is it looks amazing. Is it the the cinematic opening scene? You think, well, that looks okay, I guess, for a pre-rendered thing. And then you start playing it and you realize, no, that's not a pre-rendered thing. That is the thing. And it just looks so beautiful. It's all 3D, but you wouldn't know it from a screenshot. It just looks like an oil painting. And it's not often you see that kind of graphical style at all, let alone so convincingly done. It's got really high production value, so it makes a good first impression. Uh, but as I say, it op opens with an air raid. You play a um, guy called Noah, who's a teenage boy, and he's with his sister, um, Rini, I think her name is. And they're cowering away in this bunker uh, near their house, which has been bombed out. And Noah's looking after his sister, trying to distract her from what's going on in the real world. He's looking around the bunker for costumes, props, things to distract her so he can play characters and transport her to a make-believe world, okay? Now, what happens then, the bunker gets hit and Rini's lost. She's amongst the rubble somewhere, hopefully still alive. We don't know. Um, the next minute, uh, after unearthing some rocks, Noah has escaped from the bunker uh, but he's not where he thought he was. He's in this new dream world um, called Silence, the Whispered World. And he sees his sister, Rini, in the distance and begins pursuits to try and rescue her. And the game plays out in this dream world. And it explores some really interesting themes. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's too interesting to not mention that... Um, Within this dream world, the characters within it become aware that it is a dream, particularly Noah, who um, throughout the course of the game adopts the character that he's pretended to be to entertain Rini rather than himself as her brother, who becomes this alternate character in the dream world. And he has this sort of existential crisis about whether he exists, whether he matters, um, whether his sister really can care about him, um, knowing that he's just part of a dream. And it's just really interesting to explore those emotions through him and work out how much control he has over his destiny. Um, this backdrop sort of plays out, out in the gameplay as well. So you don't just control Noah, you control Rini as well once she's discovered. And you can flick between the two and solve puzzles in different ways and uh, go to different locations with each of them. It's quite a linear game, but you, you can sort of switch between the two. And it's, it's just really interesting how when he feels he's lost grip on his own destiny, he can't really control anything about his own life, whether he's even got a life. Um, you then hand over control to Rini and um, it's her dream. And it's just it's just really interesting how that plays out. So it looks wonderful. The um, the sort of themes that it explores are really interesting in terms of should they stay in this dream world? Is it better for Rini to stay in this um, sort of fantasy than to 
wake up and experience the horrors of real life. Um, it's just, uh, I really enjoyed it all the way through, much more than I thought I would. Um, in terms of the puzzles, they're fairly simple. It, none of them keep you busy for that long. They're interesting enough that you want to do them. Um, you don't really get stuck on it, and it, it could potentially be a single sitting game. Um, maybe taking maybe four hours, five hours, uh, if you really want to go through it, through it all in one go. But you will probably want to do that. And I really enjoyed my time with it. I'm not sure you'd go back to it, but uh, you know, for what for what it gives you in that single playthrough, it's well worth a go. Cool. That sounds fun. Um, strong narrative, then, would you say? Like uh, that make that keeps you hooked rather than just like you know the gameplay. Yeah, I mean, it's not sort of verbose and really um, up itself. It, it explores these themes in a, a digestible way. I mean, it, it's from the perspective of a, a very young girl, so. You know, it, it never gets too heavy and complex, but it, it's always sort of implied that these themes are in play and um, it, it, it just presents it in a way that's, that's easy to follow, but gets you thinking as well. Cool, man. That sounds like a nice experience. Recommended one. Yeah, we, I think, I, you know, I'm going to talk about one more game now because it would be remiss of me not to. But so far, I'd say definitely these games this week have uh, they've all been pretty good, actually. We've been playing some rather good stuff. But I should address the elephant in the room. Um, and if I remember rightly, that's even the name of one of the units in this particular Halo universe. Yeah. Do you remember the elephant in Halo yeah. 3? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right, I've been playing Halo Wars 2. Uh, and reviewed Halo Wars 2. And Halo Wars 2 is a perfectly good RTS. Did you guys play Halo Wars 1? Lots. Yes, I have. This is that. Oh, on same Xbox thing. One. Pretty much exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a way, that's kind of like impressive because, you know, it's a totally different developer. Uh, Ensemble Studios famously made Halo Wars, and that was their swan song, it turns out. They were canned as a studio shortly after. Uh, you know, these are the creators of Age of Empires, amongst others. And that's I, that's something I still regret happening. I loved the Age of Empires games with a with a fervor that's hard to explain. When back when I before I became a proper console gamer, that I was a big RTS gamer on PC, and I loved those games. Um, and you know, it's nice to see a well constructed, uh, well implemented RTS on console. And that is what Halo Wars one and two are. I mean. There's very little change in the way that I remember anyway, that Halo Wars 2 plays to one. Um, it feels, you know, still feels good. Did you guys thought Halo One, Halo Wars 1 worked well? Because if you did, then you would like how it works with a sequel. Did you like Halo Wars 1? Uh, I don't know. I played a lot of it, so I must have liked it, I guess. But it, it always felt like it was missing something. Not sure what that thing is, but... It never felt entirely satisfying that um, I sort of decided on a strategy, worked out what tactics I was going to use, and that paid off. It felt more brute force to me. I mean, what what accumulating um, whatever resources you had to get. All right, so there there are, and then just chucking it all at the end. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I can't remember all the details about Halo Wars. It was about like eight years ago. Um, so uh, Halo Wars 2 has two resources you collect, basically power and supplies. Um, you then build up a bunch of units and you do what Richard just said. Uh, the main thing to remember with the Halo Wars 2 has, is the simplified element of the strategy is it's rock, paper, scissors. So I, don't tell me to repeat the exact order here. But it's like infantry units are powerful against airborne units. Airborne units are powerful against mechanized units. And mechanized units are powerful against infantry units. Mm -hmm. So as long as you think of that, you know, when you're going to a skirmish and you bear that in mind and you, you have a good selection of units um, that cover the main bases, you'll, you'll generally do okay on the normal difficulty. Um, you know, there is, some, there is some refinement with the controls in Halo Wars 2 where they've actually worked out a way of doing, like, quick selecting armies. So you can actually, like, bind a group of soldiers to a D-pad. Uh, direction so you can have up to four of those uh, instead of just selecting all units or all the units on the screen currently which gives you a bit more flexibility in like moving multiple groups uh, around the map and engaging them on different fronts um, you can also um, I think I can't remember exactly what button it was but you can um, on the controller but you can like switch between armies very quickly as well and it'll fly around the map so you can get to them um, you know in order order them round and stuff um there's like a secondary attack mechanic now for a lot of the units when you upgrade them for example marines can be upgraded to also throw grenades and you can issue that command by hitting y rather than x when you're targeting an enemy um which is quite cool um and let's be honest right large scale halo combat is fun seeing lots of marines and mantises and scorpions and warthogs charging at in this case the banished or really you know a renamed covenant enemy force is engaging um they've set the sequel here is basically on the ark do you guys remember the ark from the halo games yeah, from halo where the halos are made yeah uh and this is all set there and you find out why you've ended up there um you know you're still on board the um i believe it's the spirit of fire um uh, the ship from the first game but you somehow was, yeah. yeah so you've somehow ended up there um they do that right there's one bit i've made me laugh right so the game opens up with a, a beautiful cutscene all the cutscenes in this are stunning all blur studios amazingly uh, animated fantastic voice acting but it opens up with i believe her name was isabel the ai of the uh, spirit of fire right and she's it's something like that maybe isabel's the new ai in this game actually anyway this ai is narrating the opening cutscene and she says to the you know, to the captain he's you know you guys the ship was fucked up uh you guys all went to sleep um while you've been sleeping i fixed the ship up um, but obviously my time as an AI came up after seven years, so I killed myself. So sorry I'm not there anymore. Oh, and by the way, that's so you guys don't have to do deal with the rampancy bullshit that the main mm -hmm. Halo series has now like fallen into, so we can just pretend that doesn't matter, and you'll get a new AI in the second mission. So don't worry. Don't worry about it, love. Just carry on, um, which, is, which is hilarious. It's just like the fact that, you know, Halo 5 has gone down this route of dealing with Cortana and how she's gone rampant and crazy. They've just gone, oh, well, this is set like 28 years after the first Halo Wars. Well, what do we do with the rampancy shit? Oh, she'll just kill herself. She'll just kill herself. So it won't be a problem. It's like a, it's like a thing, hardwired in. They just kill themselves. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like, I can't blame Creative Assembly for doing that because who wants to deal with that baggage? Like, Jesus, that's a pain in the ass to inherit that story beat when you're probably already in the middle of development. And you're like, oh, God, really? You've done what now with Cortana? Are you fucking kidding? How are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, she kills herself. It's fine. Um, so you get an AI. You get another AI, like, immediately in the first mission. So it's fine. Um, and she's great as well. They're all great. Um, but the story is, like, 
whatever. It's what you'd expect. It's pretty good. It's lots of jingoistic, like, hoorah, UNSC to the end, Earth, power, banished, Atriox. He's a motherfucking evil brute. We'll establish that in a cutscene where he takes on three Spartans and kicks their ass. Yeah, like, let's do that in a cutscene because we can't do that in the actual gameplay because it's an RTS. Um, so it's like, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of funny because it's an awesome animated cutscene, but you're like, I want to play that bit. I would have beaten him. It's annoying. Um, but no, he is a he is a credible threat. They do a great job. You might have seen it in the trailer of establishing how powerful he is. There's this line of, oh, at the height of the of their power, the Covenant were fighting us and the Banished. They nearly destroyed us. The Banished, they never came close. And you're like, oh, right, okay. So they're actually kind of motherfuckers, like, going to screw you up. And they get around the whole, remember how when the Brutes split, split with the Elites and they were all, like, fighting each other? Do you remember that? Hello, yeah. Yeah, and how you'd never, you wouldn't see them again, like together. Well, in this, the banished uh, Atriox, he just went and hired a bunch of elite mercenaries so they could have elite units in the in the game. So it's just like, don't worry about it. They're, they're, we've got elites. There's a there's a completely contrived narrative reason to have those units in there as well. Woo! Um, so it's like, yeah, it's it's it's, it's like Halo Greatest Hits, right? So you're on the arc. One, so you've got Forerunner stuff, you've got like Earth-like stuff, you've got icy stuff, you've got jungle stuff. So every environment you could potentially imagine of, to have a fight in, you've got it. And then you've got basically the greatest hits of the Covenant forces. So every type of Covenant kind of enemy you can think of are in there, including even Engineers, which is bizarre, but they're in there. Uh, and then you've got the UNSC greatest hits. You've got Mantises and every, every unit you'd expect. So they, they find a contrived way of basically enabling you to play with the whole sandbox, which is great that's so much fun um and then but you know it's it's a pretty by the numbers rts at the end of the day you know they're kind of like who was asking for this who asked for a halo wars 2 i mean i don't nobody as far as i know was clamoring for that sequel um yeah. but it, it, it's fine you know you've you've got the campaign you've got skirmishes you've got deathmatch multiplayer and then the one piece of i think genuine innovation that's actually really grown on me is the blitz mode um which is this i think we talked about it a little bit when the beta was out didn't we? Um, it's this this idea of taking away base building and replacing it with a card game. So instead of having to build up a base to spawn your enemy, uh, to spawn your units, you know, with resources and stuff, which is slow. That is a slow way of playing if you think about it for a console player. You're given a, you you create your own deck of cards for the six. There are six base different commanders that come with the game. There's already one they've added as a free DLC. Uh, and then you and then with those decks, you can have four cards on screen at once which you can then spawn in a unit or a power based on the energy you have collected from the map, which will come from picking it up, like physically driving over it or walking over it or killing other enemies and stuff will give you energy as well. So, you know, I, I, you start with a bear squad. Like I started like, you know, three Marine squad and a scorpion. And then quickly you'll be able to bring in a warthog, uh, a more powerful type of scorpion, air units, you name it. So it actually works really well. And one of the smart things they've done is give this summoning sickness as well to the, to the units. So you, if you, when you spawn in a unit for eight seconds, it's half health and does half damage. So you don't want to just spawn enemy, your units in when you're engaged in a battle, because they're just going to get, Oh, so you have to think about when to deploy the units and how to deploy the units. And it's actually a surprisingly um, tactics heavy mode. You really are thinking about the stuff here and you're thinking about how to move around the maps and it's about taking just, um, three control points um, and you can play this in 1v1, 2v2, 3v3 or I think up to 4v4 mode. Um, and this is kind of their idea of like a way of pick up and play fast moving RTS um, multiplayer action. And I think it's cool. It works. It's balanced. It's smart. It makes you want to, you know, maybe invest in microtransactions to buy more cards. 
haha um you know and it, and it's but you get loads of packs you're I'm always getting packs you level up you get a pack you beat a story mission you get a pack um you do the tutorials you get packs um you know there's so there's lots and lots of ways of getting more cards um but yeah i i dig that i think that's quite creative and and everything that's there is well done the the story is told well the cutscenes are beautiful um the the game looks good for the most part and it plays well um you are of course hamstrung for the fact that you are playing an rts on a console it will never feel as good as it does on a pc it just can't it just can't you can't get around the map that fast you don't have enough versatility with like control groups you don't have the control of the mouse so you don't have that level of finesse you're just never going to get that on a console but you know with those restrictions in mind it works well and i would be curious to see how it does play on console it is i believe a play anywhere title but i'm not even going to remotely try and play it on my pc because i imagine my pc would just laugh at me um so yeah i it's definitely good i mean it's a good game it's a really good game um it's nothing new and i, I don't know who it's for but it's good so any questions i was tempted to get it because it's quite cheap on cd keys as well i think it's like oh really 33 quid and you get it it is play anyway you get the pc and xbox version for that all right um, so yeah i'm tempted to pick it up um like you say though I'm, I'm not sure how much i'd enjoy it on console it does feel more of a pc thing and particularly i'd like to know if it works on touch screens actually because that would be quite a fun way to control an rts i doubt it i don't know i'd be very surprised if it would run your surface put it that way Oh, yeah, it's not going to run on my surface. Mm. I was thinking newer ones. There are newer ones coming out. <laughs> Time for an upgrade. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, yeah, so I played the first Halo Wars, and I'm a massive, a massive Halo fan, a massive Halo Universe fan, actually. Yeah, it's probably same. where I'd pitch myself. Um, I love the... I mean, I love the pitch of mankind fighting a losing battle, basically, and the, the story arcs and things that people build built within that. So... Uh, yeah, had the, had the first Halo Wars game. Yeah, I I persisted with for the story, but not the gameplay. Basically, I didn't really enjoy it uh, much as an RTS. I found the base building rather tedious, and I think Richard nail you know hit the nail on the head. The it was all you found was yourself just steadily building up to to then just sending one big force in for combat. There didn't really seem to be any strategy for it. You just you collected the resources you needed to build up the force you need to basically win by outnumbering them. <laughs> it was it, it just didn't get enjoyable and that just repeated and repeated and repeated steadily and you know drip feeding new units and sort of extra modules you could plant on your base. So I must admit though the blitz mode you speak of sounds a bit more interesting. That sounds like it adds strategy. Yeah, I, I understand the input mechanisms on the console aren't going to lend themselves to an RTS. And that blitz mode actually may add strategy at a different level, if you see what I mean. Uh, mm. your, basically, your hand and, and trying to, you know, and I'm assuming that a no hand will be better. You know, you may have a hand that may decimate one opponent, but then you'll just come up against a hand that will decimate your own, essentially. So it's always going to be a bit potluck and there's no going to be no perfect strategy to it. So that sounds quite interesting. Uh, at the right price, I'd probably, I probably will check it out because of the story and just to, just to see how that plays out and things. Um, it's good. It, you like your Halo stuff, you know, you like your Halo universe. You, you will enjoy it. I mean, it, it nails it. I mean, it's it's that yeah the, the humans against a foe that they they shouldn't be able to win you know the whole thing is that the the ship turns up and it's half strength it's beaten up it's old it's outdated you know it's 20 it's nearly 30 years behind the times in tech 
So these banished guys, they're not, they've not been stuck on the arc for 30 years. They've shown up recently and done stuff, right? They've got all the advantages. They've taken over a lot of the forerunner systems. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're prepared, they're entrenched. So you're, you're definitely up against it. Um, yeah, and it does it does a good job of like telling stories within the missions as well. Um, you know, introducing you to different Spartan characters and different like uh, hero units and stuff like that. Um, and it's cool to see the early Spartans because if you think about the which they're all they're all what Mark threes I want to say, which was the earliest the earliest mod models ones, the big ones basically before they mm -hmm. became the slinky sort of Mark fives from from Halo um, 5 and stuff, you know, like Locke and stuff. We're talking about the dudes in the big armor suits that stood, you know, eight feet tall and stuff. Like, um, what was that guy from Reach? Do you remember the one? Yeah, yeah. Reach? yeah. Oh, I, I can't, can't remember, remember which one that is. Two, oh, the three, massive, like that. Yeah, the massive one with the... Uh, oh. Yeah, chain gun, I think, yeah. Something like Soon that. Yeah. Like him. But, but it's like Butch or something like that. I can't remember his name. is yeah. Dutch or something. Just to be Dutch. different, yeah. But mm. Dutch oh, sounds right. No, that was off um, Predator. Predator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say that Halo borrows from Predator, Aliens, a couple of those. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Films, I think it's fair to say. But no, I, I definitely think it's worth playing if you're a Halo fan um, and in the mood for something slightly different, you know, that's going to space out your open world games and your uh, first person shooters, yeah. which is what the predominantly you will find on, on a home console nowadays um and i do i do like to play a different genre from time to time now especially as my pc is starting to get a bit knackered and not be able to handle that shit as well as it used to um yes um joel i mean we're, we're getting kind of towards the end of the show here um and i know you've only just started playing it uh and you're doing the review for it currently did you want to, to touch on warhammer quest a little bit yeah today um, or or you can come back next time and talk about it it's up to you no 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 i'll talk about it a little bit so um mainly because i've played not Warhammer Quest itself is a, a more recent version of the board game called Silver Tower that I've played through uh, with my board gaming group. So I've already kind of built expectations about what this might be. And yeah, sure enough, I played through the tutorial at the first mission today. Um, it's very much uh, a board game. I don't know if you ever played the um, Space Hulk video game. It, you know, it's a, it is pretty much the board game transition to the console. Uh, the only... Uh, Thing that i'm a bit worried about is i was really hoping there would be a multiplayer kind of co-op mode or something and uh so it, you know when you play it with your board game group you basically you, you each play a character you role play that character and you 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 know assist each other working on strategy to battle through a dungeon um every time you sort of move into the next room uh and a and, and new tiles added to the map and you know random dice rolls determine sort of events that would happen and, and things so the game follows that model just so far without the ability for me to sort of invite a friend or play with a friend so i'm not sure if i've just not spotted that in the main menu but there are literally only two options which was play game and uh, options um so i'm really thinking it's lacking multiplayer which might be its weak point but i'm enjoying it so far it is it is the board game basically um top down um you know looks pretty pretty and i'm just looking forward to chewing my way a bit through it and seeing how it develops basically yeah another warhammer game it's crazy how many warhammer games like in in the last two years it's it's got to be like 10 plus now <laughs> seriously it's so many warhammer games like a month doesn't go by without hearing about a new one um they are churning that out uh, but i look forward to hearing more from you about it definitely richard from your little list of extra games mm -hmm. that you haven't reviewed but you have played, 
Were there any you'd like to touch upon, sir? Um, I've been playing a hell of a lot of Battlefront this week. That's okay. That's, That's weird. Yeah, That's a bit weird. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I just want to throw that out there that I'm playing a, a hell of a lot. So if anyone plays Battlefront, I'm up for it. It's a really chill shooter, isn't it? It's oh, really I'm, chill. Are you playing on the PC or the console? Um, I'm playing it on the consoles. So I've got it on PS4 and Xbox One. I'm no, playing I've... both. I've played it quite a lot recently on the Xbox. In the past month, I've played it a fair bit on the Xbox One. So, all right. Interesting. What's bringing everybody back to Battlefront all of a sudden? I love it. I mean, there's a lot of fun in that game, but uh, except for the loading times, which are ridiculous. But they, um... they are insane, and they haven't got any got any better. Um, I don't know what's brought me back. I think you and I played it back in December around Rogue One. Yeah, time. we 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 played the Sarif match um, map stuff, didn't we? Yeah, that's it. Um, and I got the season pass at that point to play with you. Really enjoyed it. Wanted to play through the rest of it. And I've just been dipping in and out of that ever since. But particularly this last week, just really grabbed me. I don't know why. I think it's just one of those easily pick upable multiplayer games. Super accessible, yeah. Yeah, it really is accessible. And you don't really need to be good at it because who is really good at it? It's not like super finessed, is it? It's just pick up a pad and shoot stuff for a bit quite a simple game there's there's something very pleasant about that the combat in that because when you shoot somebody it doesn't necessarily feel like you kill them because of the way they fall down there's no blood it feels like you know like you'd see a stormtrooper who got shot in the star wars film you know they get ah they go back there might be a little bit of scorching or something on the armor but it's not horribly violent or or visceral it just feels very um I don't know, it's a safe space for people of our age, I think, Richard, isn't it? It's a safe place I where mean, Star there, Wars there people can still, go and be happy. There is still teabagging, which wasn't in the original Star Wars. <laughs> that would have been a very different scene, that bit when Luke shot the Stormtrooper and then just crouched over <laughs> his head repeatedly. <laughs> Leia's standing there going, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? You say that, you say that. Vader was going to do it to Obi-Wan in A New Hope, but because his corpse vanished, he couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He did walk over. Right, he, he was yeah. like shuffling around, like, "Where is it? I want to." I was, was going to teabag you, everyone. <laughs> after that, after that thing with the high ground, I think you deserved it, bitch. Yeah, you had that coming in your face, literally. Um, we, me, and you also played what is still a broken game, didn't we? Which we played to WWE 2K17. That oh, game is uh, fucked all up and down the place, really, isn't it? Mate, like it's Jesus, a, it's a mess. But I have been back to it since I played with you. Are you really? Jesus, yeah, yeah. what? Why? I did, whole, I did a whole run of singles matches, and um, I just kept playing until I won one. It took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to mention this because I have literally never received more hate for any review online than I have for WWE 2K. Uh, 17 i've had more negative comments on the youtube page which i've not let uh, i've um you know sometimes they ask for approval on them and when the comment is just fuck you you moron i generally don't let it go up on the youtube uh because i feel like <laughs> that's not very constructive for anyone and i've had more of that for that game than anything else i'm sorry that game isn't finished that game is literally was shipped without like a proper ui without like proper dialogue or writing without no. decent net code the there, there's nothing in there the commentary is broken and and loops way too quickly and doesn't fit the match you're playing no. it's just fucked, it's so fucked. What, what's the story here because 16 was relatively well polished and complete right 
yeah this was not this was i don't know what happened like i think they, they, they had some, or something <laughs> no they had some ideas in there to 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 change some stuff up and i think they, they were sort of focused on that more than putting out a, a fixed an actual sort of finished game it just genuinely feels like that game hasn't come out like there there is like it's just where would there was more six months of like you can see the timeline and they just went no it's done ship it and they were like no it's, it's not it's not finished it's just very very strange um there's a, maybe next year's or this year's i should say will actually be the full game who knows i'm sure i'll review it and tell you all uh, <laughs> but but yeah that that's still this fun to be had there i think um i also um i've been playing a game i can't talk about but i'll just leave it at that but i'll be talking about that early next week i'm quite looking forward to talking about that uh and uh, star trek online which i think is a really good free-to-play game like really good have you guys played any of it no no no, are you guys Star Trek people at all? Yep, no. I'm. I'm a uh, big fan of Star Trek. Um, okay. Just haven't played Star Trek Online. Um, well, Joel, download it on Xbox, and we'll play some because it's really good fun. Like, really, really good fun. You just want to make me the red shirt guy, don't you? No, 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 no. I mean, look, uh, <laughs> you all get your own ship. Everybody gets their own ship, so I can't do that. But um, the, the ground combat is pretty bad. Yeah, but. It's wrapped up in what feels like a very lovingly written sort of um, continuation. Set after Voyager. Um, and yeah, these people know their Trek. They love their Trek. You can tell. The way the game is structured is, is like episodic. Um, so it's like, you know, like, a t like the TV show. And then there, there'll be story arcs of multiple episodes that run together like a season. And then, you know, you'll go on to another one, another one. There's loads of different stuff. Everything you could imagine. So there's like the temporal stuff. There's Klingon stuff, Romulan stuff, Dominion stuff. There's, um, I'm just doing a thing with Species 8472 right now, mm. fighting yeah. them, you know, and it actually conveys the, how dangerous they are really well. Um, you know, really in-depth, trekky shit. Uh, and the space combat is awesome. You know, it looks pretty good. Um, you've got lots of different variety in the ships you can have. Yes, it is microtransactioned up the arsehole. It's free to play, isn't it? Yeah, so. it, there's so much stuff you can buy in that game, don't get me wrong. But, you know, they've got to, they've got to monetize it some way. Yeah. There's plenty to do in there and not pay a penny. I actually played this back um, when it was on PC as well. I got to a quite a high level on PC, and I was like, well, I'm not sure I can be bothered to do it again. But I found myself recently pining for some Trek. I've been watching TNG again on Netflix and stuff, cool. and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play some Star Trek Online. And as a as a pickup when I'm not doing the review kind of game, you know, dip in, do a quick episode, have a bit of space combat, have a bit of ground combat, do a bit of story, jump out, you know, hour later. It's really good fun for that. Um, it's it, yeah, it's a bit slow. There's a lot of stuff in there. It's very much you can see it was a PC game. Um, lots of quite deep menus that you need to you know drag through and really dig into and stuff, and lots of options. It's kind of confusing, but if you're will willing to spend the time with it, it's a it's a fun Star Trek experience, and it's free. So there's no, there is literally no reason not to try it out. None. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's something I would like to play. But has anyone heard of a game called Stellaris? Yes. On the PC. So, I wish I could run it. I really oh, I wish I could run it. Yeah, I was going to say, whilst I was in Hong Kong, I read I read an article about a Star Trek mod for that that I just Ooh. like wet my appetite massively for like oh must get when I get home I must buy Stellaris and I must find this Star Trek mod because it, um, I think it was an article on Rock Paper Shotgun I was reading about it and it just sounds like amazing. I used to play a Star Trek game called Birth of the Federation a long time ago. Yeah, yeah me too. And I I played that game to absolute death. I loved it and apparently this is just like 
birth of the federation but with all the issues it ever had fixed on i haven't awesome i haven't thought so, of birth of the federation in so long that was a fucking amazing game it was incredible so yeah. uh like you know sitting here i'm thinking oh christ i forgot about that until you mentioned star trek just well, now I'm glad i, I, can I need out. to go and, yeah i need to go try that out birth of the federation was a star trek um 4x wasn't it yeah yeah it was yeah. Uh, well it's kind of like it, a yeah. yeah you know you um explore expand uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah basically you just you just run the federation itself you sort of yeah. man, man, you know managing exploration terraforming planets um managing your fleet trying to yeah. and your borders and stuff yeah loved it that's such a good game i wonder mm. if that i wonder if we can get that running on windows 10 i kind of want to try and get that running again i bet you can't I bet you can't i wonder if there's some good old games oh let's look into that but i think we have coming to the end of this week's uh slightly shambolic episode again apologies for the delay at the start of this and apologies well that wouldn't be so applicable because nobody's watching that live right now are they uh but apologies for the technical issues and the shambolic start to the episode um we will hopefully be back in a couple of weeks time perhaps with a new voice richard as well to join us do we know yes. if that's oh god i just remembered yes i know what you're talking about um as far as i know probably rem- is, I better you check. should probably remind him yeah. um as well but that could be that could be interesting if we can get if we can get rob on um because mm. he does some very unique reviews and <laughs> i love his reviews so much they're so weird the tangents they're like these crazy stories oh so 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 unique the, I, I don't think i've ever had so much feedback from developers as i have i have of had on rob's reviews like just people going well that was a unique read but thanks for the review i think <laughs> did it talk about the game i'm not even sure um so <laughs> on on the quick really quick uh quick last point on uh, when you mentioned feedback on developers uh obviously i'd been playing subterrain and i uh, you know having great oh fun yeah you my... had problems didn't you yeah i hit i've hit a problem with my save game uh kind of partially corrupted which really threw it into chaos basically it kind of remembered certain aspects of the my you know where i was in the game and my progress but just had completely forgotten others and erase but anyway yeah so it's a save game bug and i got in touch with the developer and i had a long conversation with him on facebook backwards and toing and throwing and talking about um describing the problem and trying to trying to get through it and things and yeah ultimately he couldn't save my save game it's it's already too late for me but he has issued a patch i believe either issuing a patch or he already came out i haven't had a chance to look yet um that hopefully fixes the problem so if you do hit problems with like um you know, maybe not with um, massive developers, but AAA games and stuff. But with indie games, do do get in touch with the developers and try and help them out because you know it, it may screw you over, but it might, you might be able to help others. So, well done, man. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that's really really cool that you 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 did that and had that a long chat yeah. and resolved resolved things. But that's really really good. That's awesome, man. That's mm. cool that the developers are open to that sort of stuff. Like you yeah. know, you won't always find that, but. Yeah, if, if it's indie and and you know they want they want people to be happy with their shit, you know they want it want they want it to be the best it can be. That's that's why I love covering indie games because you can often see that ambition and that and that desire even when it doesn't always work. Dead effect two. Um, so um, <laughs> yeah, check out my review of that or listen to the last podcast with just me and Richard. Oh, we talked about that. Um, but um, I kind of wish you'd been here for that one, Joel. That would have been interesting. <laughs> Um, but but anyway, I think that brings us to the end of episode twenty. That's a huge number, guys. That's so cool that we've done twenty. That's like forty. That's like forty weeks. 
of, of podcasting. So maybe a bit more than that, actually, nearly a year of it. Um, so that's really, really good. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time, possibly with a new voice, uh, almost certainly talking about Horizon Zero Dawn, at least a little bit, I would have thought, Richard. Do you think you, you guys going to try and squeeze some of that in? Oh, I'm not sure I can afford it with Switch, so we'll see. Are you going to get it? Um, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm. It's weird because it's like everybody's loving on it really hard right now, but they they say the words it's a lot like Far Cry, and I get really put off because I'm so burnt out on the Far Cry games. Yeah. Um, just I, well, I reviewed the last three of them, so I'm just kind of like I don't know if I need to play that again right now. Uh, but it does look so pretty. And the story's meant to be really good as well, which is surprising for an open world game. Um, and those review scores, man, the nines, nine fives, tens, five out of fives, just everywhere, everywhere. Be wrong, can they? No, no, man, they've got to be onto something, haven't they? Um, I, I'm a bit reluctant to support them though, because my mate worked at the Cambridge Guerrilla Studio and they shit canned them all, didn't they? So it's kind of <laughs> like I don't know if I want to buy a game from that big developer, that shit canned the satellite one. I don't know if I want to help them. Um, but my mate, my mate found new work, so he's doing all right. He's at a new studio. So he's doing it. He's doing good. Yeah, good. Thing. Right. That is now the end. Please follow us on Twitter. Please, actually, everybody, can you all go and rate us on iTunes? It really fucking helps. All right, it really does. It doesn't even have to be positive. Just leave feedback. It helps um, push. I don't know the met algorithms and more visible magic stuff happens basically. So do that. That'd be awesome if you could do that. Um, more than anything, that'd be great. Uh, join us from Facebook. Find us on Twitter. I'm not going to shout them all out this time. I'm, I'm too tired. I imagine everybody else wants to go off. I, I think Richard's ready for his bath. Is that right, yeah. Richard? <laughs> I thought you might be. I had a feeling. See the wife looming there. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna scrub your back, is she? You're gonna scrub your back, boy. That'd be lovely. Right then. Thanks all very much for this episode, guys, and we'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hit the button, Richard.